Danny Pellegrino here with a very merry iconic podcast here to tell you about AMC Plus with best Christmas ever on AMC Plus. Every day feels like Christmas morning from new holiday favorites like Elf and one of my personal favorites, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. You can spend the holiday season opening up only the good stuff. Plus, you'll get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond, and you're also getting your favorite iconic Christmas movies without having to search. AMC Plus is available on all your devices. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. Hello and welcome to Golazo, the Liga MX podcast from the Football Grad Network. Yes, I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, probably more familiar uh, with myself from the uh, gegenpressing uh, Bundesliga pods. Uh, and also uh, this man joining me, that's uh, Manu Vett. Manu, how are you? Golazo! I had to do it. Uh, I'm <laughs> I was, so excited for this part. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to call you out to do this, but I never thought you actually would. Brilliant. Yes, yeah, so anyone that's tuning in, um, we're, we're going to be covering uh, all things uh, Liga MX, Mexican football, um, something that Manu and I in time have kind of fallen into. I don't know whether we're footballing hipsters or, or what it is, but uh, I suppose he lives in Canada, so it's uh, I suppose it's a little bit easier for him to get into it here in the UK. Uh, you can find it, you can watch it, but it's uh, it's at a obscure times. But uh, I must say, we we both thoroughly enjoy the entertainment. I mean, Manu, what is it exactly? Um, you know, about Liga MX, is it that you enjoy so much? I mean, I, I've described it before. I wrote the odd article, not many, but a few. Uh, you're for football grad, and I've described it as well football with a with a pinch of uh, WWE or something about it. It's just a, a it's a bit spectacular, I think. I mean, what what is it for you? It's it's like a soap opera, um, telenovela as they call them in Mexico. It's yeah, I I kind of fell in love with it because I, I live in North America. I'm in in Germany right now, um, mostly because we did a whole bunch of podcasts together for gigging in Germany in the, over the last couple of weeks, and um, I do a lot of work over here still. But I I live in North America, so it's more or less in my time zone, and uh, it makes it easy for me to to watch my European football in the morning, and then. I guess there is Major League Soccer, uh, which I also do follow to a certain extent, but Liga MX is the closest thing to a European league that you get over there. And I mean the entire American continent. Um, in terms of quality, it's, it's an extremely good league. It's, um, the best quality league, I think, outside of Europe. Um, but it is also very different, um, than any European league. And, that's because it has a very strong Latin flair. And I think that's really what attracted me to it. And that's also something that took me quite some time to understand because as the two of us have often discussed, right, Bryce, there is a lot of very, a lot of things that they do differently there. Um, one thing is the shortened season. Now they have two seasons, right, Bryce? Yeah. So, so that's it. I mean, it did take me a little while. Um, and I'm sure yourself as well. And um, maybe to any of our new listeners, um, 
just to get your head around the way the, the league works. So as you said, two shortened leagues. Uh, so there's 18 teams in the league. Uh, one will happen uh, the first half uh, of what we would normally say is the domestic year in uh, Europe. Uh, so kind of in the lead up to the end of uh, the summer to to uh, Christmas time. And then you have another league. Um, so everyone plays each other again um, just after Christmas and the second half of the year. And yeah, it's 17 games everyone plays. So they'll just play each other once. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, so you might say, okay, well, there's just one league and yeah, it's, you know, 17 games, you know, things can be decided very quickly, but it's then the top eight of that. Yes, the top eight of 18 then go into a knockout. So they, they play each other, don't they? Um, home and away legs. Uh, and then they, they get uh, eventually to the two teams in the final, don't they? And, uh, I, I think was it last year, um, the first half, uh, of the year. And they played, was it Christmas or Boxing Day? I mean, it, it was over then. It, I mean, it, that just more or less sums it up, doesn't it? I mean, they couldn't have played it at a better time, really. Yeah, I thought it was brilliant. They played the final on Christmas Day. Um, and that one kind of final was too, was Tigres against Club America. And uh, I think, that, I'm trying to do the mafia. I think it was four red cards or five. Um and then there was a last minute equalizing goal and overtime that brought it into penalties and then Tigris won it. And, uh, it, it, there was a lot of drama and, um, Liga MX does this so well. The shortened season means that you essentially you have these 17 games and then knockout, Liguela as they call it or Liguela. Uh, and that means it's just Spanish. It just means the league. Um, but it's a mini league. And, so you you have this really short 17 game season and i mean Bryce 17 games isn't a lot you have three or four games you mess them up you could miss out on the playoffs and winning the title it's not like you it is in in a lot of european leagues where you can stumble three or four times and you you still be okay but i mean we've seen uh in this last half season several big teams not making the ligiela and missing out on the playoffs so i mean this shortened season uh, makes it very exciting in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's it. It only takes one or two games, as you said, to uh, to really, really change your season. Uh, just before we move away from that final that you mentioned with the uh, Club America and Tigres, yes, there was five red cards from the 90th minute to 105th minute. So that that just uh, more or less sums it up as as well to to a degree, anyway. But um, to go back to the uh, structure of the league, yeah, it leaves it very exciting. I, I think. Um, I think every campaign, you know, it's things can change massively for your side. They could be 18th, uh, 17th, 16th in one. And just a few months later, all of a sudden you've uh, qualified for like, yeah, maybe in fifth and you, you've got a bit of uh, momentum and, you know, you're, you're going towards that title. You know, it can change just as, as quickly as that. And I think we've seen that with a few of the sides, um, the second half of the year. So just, uh, recently, I mean, uh, I mean, Tigres, they almost didn't qualify, uh, and they ended up getting to the final, didn't they? And, uh, but I, I would say probably the, uh, apart from the, you know, maybe Chivas, uh, winning their first title in, in 11 years, which, uh, was their 12th title in total, which leaves them joint top uh, of that record, uh, with, uh, with Club America, actually, uh, their biggest rival. Uh, I mean, probably the highlight was Morelia, wasn't it? I mean, you and I, well, I stayed up late. It was probably just the the early evening for you, but uh, we watched the Morelia, who um, 
could have possibly been relegated, scored two goals uh, very late on, and they ended up actually getting into the Ligia and into the uh, the knockouts. I mean, it was absolutely phenomenal, wasn't it? Well, the, the, the crazy story about Morelia was that if they hadn't made the playoffs, they would have gotten relegated. Um, <laughs> this is... I guess we have to really explain how that works. So Yeah, we've really got our work cut out first. We're not really going to get to any other topics apart from how the league actually works today. So in <laughs> most leagues on this planet, you finish last or in one of the bottom spots in a full season, you get relegated, right? Um, again, Liga MX heavily borrows from a lot of South American leagues and that, that they, they don't take the the point total of a full season or two half seasons. Uh, this is something you will hear me say a lot because when I say a full season, that is a season with the two titles. Um, in Liga MX, they take the total points of the last three full season or last six half seasons. And those total points, if you finish last in those total points, so in this case, last season, that was Chappas. They accumulated over the last uh, six half seasons a point average of 1.1471. So this is point average. This is to ensure that the team that gets promoted doesn't have a disadvantage, right? Because otherwise that team would never have a chance to stay in. So it's the point average over the last six half seasons um, that, that counts for, in the relegation standings so there's a separate standings for this um last year the team that got promoted was was Nikaxa, and they had a point average of 1.3824 so they were safe um so it was basically morelia veracruz and chapas um, morelia ended up with a 1.1569 point average uh, veracruz had a 1.471 and so did chapas so veracruz in the end only stayed in because of the goal differential which also counts, by the way, over the last six half seasons. So that's why Chappas ended up getting relegated. But for Morelia, um, it was in a sense because those three teams in the bottom had the same amount of games played over the last three years. We could actually follow this, not just by the point average, but by the total points. And it was only one point that separated Morelia from last place Chappas. So if Morelia hadn't won, the last game that got them into the playoffs, they would have gotten relegated. And this is, this is another aspect of Liga MX that I think is so crazy. Um, you know, we, we're basically talking about a team that on the last match day had to get into the championship playoffs in order to not get demoted to the Ascenso, which is the second division. And that is just something that you don't see anywhere else in the world. This kind of excitement, do or die. Thing that doesn't happen anywhere, and what it, what it does, when Bryce, we've talked so many times about it. It means a ton of goals because teams um, cannot afford to lose sometimes, even if there's three goals down. So they will just keep coming, right? Yeah, that's it. I mean, we've seen before that just goals galore. I think this uh, campaign that's just ended, I think that's the lowest they've had in, in years, and and it was still very much free flowing. Uh, I mean, that's uh, Morelia situation that you mentioned when they were playing Monterey, the team that finished uh, second, actually. And you, you just nobody really thought that they would probably win um, against them. And then when there was a late equalizer, they still managed to, to get a win. It, it, it just was was such dramas. I mean, you can only feel for um, Alexa Chapas, who, um, you know, probably thought that they were 
they were home and safe and and then it just didn't happen for them and it, it can be a little bit confusing when you first get into the league and you look at the table and you you see um, Pumas and Puebla at the bottom and you go what they weren't relegated and it's a little bit tricky if you don't know where to find the uh, points um, just you know who is actually uh, up for relegation but when you understand it all it it's absolutely fantastic and as you said yeah it creates an awful lot of goals when you're watching it there's just there's so much entertainment. There's so many spectacular goals. There's runs. There's tricks. There's flicks. I mean, I know on their Facebook page, uh, I think on, on their Twitter as well, they put up uh, the goals of the weekend. And even if you just tune into that on a Monday morning, it's just outrageous. They put on the goals of the weekend, the saves of the weekend, and I think the skills of the weekend. And it's it's just it's it's just a joy to watch. I think it's quite refreshing, isn't it? I mean, there's enough. Um, kind of misery i mean we'll not speak about your side in germany and i suppose there's plenty of other sides i mean you know we we, we could mention uh that that you know people are a bit downtrodden about that their team have haven't really um pushed on or the ambition isn't there but you know this is just refreshing isn't it it's just a just a joy to watch and i suppose it probably helps as well that you and i don't really follow one side we have some soft spots for teams but um you know it, it leaves it for easy watching and i would say anyone else that's um looking to get into the league they they can either message us uh we'll try and help them as, as much as possible or previously on football grad we've done uh, articles um about each of the clubs so you to kind of introduce them so it's a it's a, a bit of an easy access way to get into it isn't it yeah absolutely and we can stress that enough we have we cover it quite a bit um you know, not right now because it's the off season, but we'll, we'll we roll out a lot of content and we have planned a lot of content on it. Um, I know you've done recently a really good article on the title one. And I think we should get to Chivas in just a moment because they are a team I have a bit of a soft spot for, but I just want to mention one more time this, uh, last moment goal decider by Morelia, um, because that goal that Raul Rodia scored, um, for Morelia, right? Um, set off a chain event in that league because it kept, it relegated Chiapas, it got Morelia into the playoffs, it also set up Tigres against Monterrey, which is one of the biggest derbies in, in the league, uh, for the first round of the playoffs. And Monterrey then ended up getting knocked out, right? It eliminated Club America, which is next to Chivas, the biggest club in that league. And it won, <laughs> it won Raul Ruiz, the goal scoring title all in the fifth minute of extra time. And I think that, for me, summed up the entire league. Yeah, I mean, that more or less sums it up, doesn't it? You know, the, the amount of entertainment that can be provided by Liga MX in one false swoop. I mean, it, it was just an unbelievable evening that. I remember it being really quite late and me being like, how the hell am I going to sleep after this? Yeah, it was it was fantastic. But uh, just just before we do go on to the champions, uh, Chivas, because I I think we've kind of explained uh, our love for uh, for the league uh, enough. But is it um is it the start of uh, the coming season that we're going to be able to uh, watch it all free streaming on on Facebook? Is that, is that correct, or when does that uh, come into play? I know it's coming to play, and um, they're already doing it in the United States. So I'm not sure how Liga MX is going to do it for the international audience. Um, Liga MX is very, very open about getting the content out. Um, if you go onto their Twitter account, you will find that all the goal highlights are right away shown, right? Uh, I know the clubs share their highlights 
a lot as well. Um, Chivas, you can actually get a season pass and watch all the games off their homepage because they don't have a television deal. So that's a good way into getting into the league as well. If you want to pay and you want to get those HD streams. Um, but it's a very easily accessible league. If you live in the United States, and I think some of our listeners will be living in the United States, it's on Univision, which is a free television station. Um, so, you know, it's a lot of ways to watch it, but Facebook is um, a big one for them. And I think Twitter is going to be the next stage for them too, because um, League MX is the biggest followed league in the United States. Um, we get tweets from Maxi Rodriguez, um, who's on Twitter as an interesting account to follow, by the way. And he always tweets out the television numbers because he, <laughs> I can say this, he hates Major League Soccer and he makes fun of it all the time. And he tweets out the television numbers just to show off how um, unimportant Major League Soccer is. But what these tweets of the television numbers show is actually that any league pales in comparison in the United States to Liga MX because I think every year, every week, it's the, the 10 most watched games. And out of the 10 most watched games, I think it's four or five that from the, that are from Liga MX. And that means all the Premier League teams, uh, Premier League games. So this league dwarfs the, the Premier League, the English Premier League in the, in the United States. So, and the, the league is very, really wants that because, you know, um, advertisement is a big deal. There's 20 million. Mexicans, I believe, living in the United States. And then, of course, Mexico itself has a population of 160 million. It's it's a big country. And, you know, it's a big revenue stream for them, uh, for advertisement. And you'll see a lot of advertisement. It's uh, watching a Liga MX game. And you've, we've talked about this, right, Bryce? It's like watching a jumbo drone because there's all these different advertisements that are being put <laughs> in halfway <laughs> through the game. It's, it's, it's true. You don't really know where to look sometimes. I mean... So the shirts are plastered with, with the sponsors, aren't they? And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, yes, there's sponsors everywhere, but you know, maybe all this money coming to uh, the league isn't necessarily a bad thing, which we'll also get to. Obviously, uh, the draft is, uh, starting to take place, which we'll have to explain. I mean, me, obviously, from my uh, Europe drafts, uh, don't really sit well with us. We don't, we don't really understand them that well. Um, so hopefully, Manu will be able to uh, go into that a little bit with us, but, um, yeah, I, 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 I think it's just, um, it's it's a spectacular league and it's getting more and more popular. I mean, I I just seen a stat today as well that actually in the U.S. um in the final Chivas uh, versus uh, Tigres, you know there was 2.8 million viewers for that game. Where the the Champions League, the European Champions League, there was three million. So that just shows you um how close it actually is, you know. And it's it's not to think that it's just a a small part player in the in the world of football. It's definitely rising and definitely want to. Uh, check into so we, we should probably uh, talk about that final and uh, Chivas uh, winning it I mean Manu, you, you spoke about um, Chivas um, previously and said that you've got a little bit of a soft spot for them I have a feeling that it'll probably be similar reason for my soft spot as well I mean why is that it's um, they are the Mexican team aren't they um, the goats Chivas means the goats uh, from Guadalajara um, I like the policy and that they only play Mexicans. Um, and the vast majority of those Mexicans coming from the youth side. And, you know, we, we're talking about a guy like Chicharito, for example, right? All the time. You'll hear his name mentioned a lot because he's a superstar in Mexico and he's, he's a Guadalajara product. Um, 
I, I think that is something very admirable that they, did they, you know, sometimes even throw sporting success out of the window, um, for developing young players. Uh, it's a very popular team in Mexico. 44.2% of the population follows it. Um, which depending on who you ask means they're the biggest team actually in the country. And, you know, they, they just, the, the, the way they display themselves, the way they, they are as a club, um, the, they, they still have an old world feel to them. You know, they have a feel to them that, um, is maybe lost when you, when you look at a lot of clubs nowadays in, in Europe, you know, that have become these big legendary troops almost, you know, with players just being interchanged for another superstar. Um, you know, you mentioned briefly 1860, the team that went down last year into, into the third division and now, you know, it's going to restart in the fourth division. There wasn't anything Bavarian about that team anymore. And the restart looks almost like, you know, they're going to go back to the roots. This team has never done this. This team's still at the roots. And we're talking about, you know, 2017. And then they end up winning a title with this kind of philosophy. Although it took them 11 years, right? Um, but still, I mean, that is something that I personally admire a lot. And when you, when you look at the players that have come, uh, through their ranks, I mean, Omar Bravo, Javier Hernandez, better known as Chicharito, Carlos Vela, uh, who's rumored to actually come back. We're going to touch on that in a moment. Marco Fabian, uh, listens to the gig pressing pod know that that is one of my favorite players right now. Francisco Rodriguez and Carlos Salcido. This, it's, that's just it for me. You know, um, it's a historic club and it's, a club I'm have a very soft spot for. Yeah, and that's it. I, I think it's almost their. Um, I don't know what the best way to uh, to describe it is. Almost their authenticity to uh, remaining uh, to their original ruling of playing only Mexican players. I mean, it's very admirable, isn't it? I mean, you don't see that very often around the world. Yeah, sure, maybe um, Atletico uh, Bilbao, but. Um, you really don't see that very often in the modern day when there's so much money flying around and the ease that it is to maybe, uh, you know, draft in or transfer, you know, so some other uh, quality players, you know, that, that does leave it quite challenging for them, doesn't it, Manu? Yeah, um, absolutely. And I mean, we mentioned the title drought and it has been a title drought. Last title was in 2006. So 11 years without a title. Um, that's a long time if you, the largest club in the country or one of the two largest clubs in the country. Um, trying to put this into perspective. I mean, Bryce, your side, Liverpool, I guess that's, that's what it would be like, right? 11 years. That'd be fine. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a long time. Um, I lived in Amsterdam for quite some time and when Ajax went through a title drought, I think it was four or five years. That was, it was, that was a big tragedy. Now double this. Um, on our football grad podcast, we have a guy, uh, Tim Boktachev, who was a big Spartak fan and they went through 16 years, right? So that's just trying to put this in perspective. It's, it's a long time without a title for a club of that magnitude. And I guess, you know, for Liverpool, it's even worse because it's, I, it's what, what was it, 1990s, early 1990s that it happened the last time? I'm trying to, to forget 1990. 1990. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's, it's been a while. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're still waiting. Uh, you never know. We've got to say it. They, they joke about us uh, saying that, you know, this is our year, but 
I, I suppose maybe it will be. They, they haven't done one since I've been a fan, and yeah, that that I'm sure that was you know maybe not the case in eleven years for Chivas, but you know I'm sure some of the young fans it, it was probably seemed like a lifetime almost for them and yeah then it becomes a massive deal especially how big the club is as you said how popular the club is with the, with the uh, mexican uh, people uh, and they they won so up to this point at 11 so you know it's it was good to see uh, almost a, a sleeping giant uh, that's actually what Sal Almeida called them uh, when he first joined uh, their coach uh, you, you know kind of rise like this and uh, I, I think it's it's good for mexican football really uh, though the final was very much a surprise. I mean, uh, anyone that's uh, just getting into a Liga MX will probably uh, know of the, uh, the the Frenchman there, uh, Gignac. Um, obviously, he's one of the biggest stars. Uh, we'll be talking about another potential star coming to the league rather shortly. Uh, but, I mean, Tigres, um, full of superstars, uh, failed in the Champions League, the the, you know, the CONCACAF Champions League, but then um, managed to... Uh, go on a bit of a run didn't they they just about got into uh Ligue. and so they, they got to the final and nobody really gave Chivas uh, a chance and I would say over two legs yeah Chivas thoroughly de- deserved that I mean uh, Manu would you have said that that was a, a bit of a surprise would, did, did you give Chivas much of a chance going into the final uh, there was there's been a lot of talk that this could be there yeah um very strong young talented side and the, the feeling all around was that it, it could happen um, I think Tigers went on a rampage in the end of the season and then into the playoffs. And, you know, they are, a lot of people say they are the best, best team outside of Europe. Um, the squad is very deep. Um, I got to see them live up in Vancouver for the CONCACAF Champions League semifinal against the Whitecaps and they just toyed with them. It, they were a different league. They were basically a European side. And that's because, you know, they have guys like Gignac, they have a guy like Sosa, Guido Bizarro, uh, Union defense, um, they have, they can afford to leave a guy like Jurgen Damm and Eduardo Vargas on the bench for big finals. Uh, they are very strong. And I think that the way that they were playing after losing the Conquer of Champions League final, there was an expectation that that was the title they were going for. And the final kind of showed us because, uh, Chivas, especially in the first leg, they looked a little bit innocent, didn't they? Um, they went up really early, 2-0, and Gignac scored in the 85th and the 88th to make it 2-2, which wasn't a great result for Tigers because it's the European rules that count in the final, right? They had to play a second leg back in Guadalajara. And then I thought that, that final, um, it was interesting because it was basically the same scenario again, wasn't it, Bryce? Because Gotelahar went up 1-0 and then 2-0 and then all of a sudden Sosa scored late and you almost had a little bit of a feeling like, uh-oh, um, are they going to do the same again? Are gonna, Tigres going to do the same again and come back again and make it 2-2 and it goes into overtime and then, you know, Chivas would have surely fallen apart, but they didn't. They hung on and they won the title. Yeah, that's I, I thought it was going to be a deja vu for a moment. I mean, when you when you do look at um you know it's the first leg situation that yeah Chivas were two 0 up and then Gignac scored on the eighty fifth and eightieth minute as as you were saying um I would have said that um 
yeah, the Chivas would have seen themselves being 2-0 up away from home as a fantastic result. Um, and even maybe a 2-all if Yadda offered that up to them at the, the start of the game. I think they maybe would have taken that. But to, to lose that in the last five minutes, the last, well, three of the last five minutes, you know, to the, it seemed like they had really blown their opportunity. And then when they went into the, the home leg, you thought the, the odds are still stacked against them. Even when they went 1-0 up. When they went 2-0 up on the 70th minute, you thought, OK, OK, maybe now. Um, even though it was very one-sided, I must say Chivas were, were set up very well. Um, but then, yeah, that's, that consolation goal by Sosa on the 80th minute, you just thought, oh, is this going to go into extra time? And to be fair, there was a penalty shot and probably Tigres should have been given that and see that that would have changed things. But if, if you actually look at the final as well, I mean, you know, I tuned in for that. Uh, everyone expected Tigres to win, but I mean, Chivas kind of played it very smartly. They were very well organized and they, they almost seemed to uh, play a very direct ball over the top, which you've seen even for that uh, Polito first goal in the, you know, on the 17th minute. Uh, very direct play, but they were almost giving Tigres the ball, uh, which was quite surprising, giving them the ball, but closing them down quickly. And, uh, I mean, it was only till after the game that I read a, a stat that actually said that, you know, Chivas, when they've had more of the ball, uh, this season, they, they've actually failed to, uh, to, to win games as much as when they hadn't had the ball, which is, which is a bit of a weird contradicting a stat, you would imagine. But, you know, they, it's almost like they, they acknowledge this, let them have the ball, were organized, and they just couldn't break them down. And Geniac very much had a, an off day and yeah, in the end actually refused to go and collect his medal and threw a bit of a, a tantrum, which, uh, I think didn't sit well with uh, not just some of the Liga MX fans, but actually with some Tigres fans as uh, as well. So, um, yeah, I, I think you've got to hold your hands up and say that Chivas fully deserved this. I, I thought they, they played a very smart game. Yeah, I mean, they, they played this entire playoffs very smart when you go through the results. You know, they, they beat their local rivals Atlas on shootouts. Then they beat Toluca's on shootouts <laughs> in the semifinal. And then, you know, very tightly won affair in the final. Um, you know, clever. I think it's, it's a clever side. And, um, although they deserved this, they, they, they did not get there the same way than, uh, than Tigris did. We you know brushed away Monterey in, in the quarterfinals, six one on aggregate. And then Tijuana, also very strong side, Tijuana, four zero on aggregate. So, um, a bit of a surprise result, wasn't it, in the end? Yeah. I mean, Tigres, uh, just came alight, as you said, you know, at the end of the campaign and into the, uh, into the knockouts and they were just tearing teams apart. I mean, Geniac was on, on fire. So yeah, it definitely wasn't. Wasn't expected, but fair play to them. They're they're going to be in the uh, Champions League next year, and I, I imagine that they'll have their their sights set on uh, on that scalp, um, especially after a, a Mexican side already won it this year in Pachuca, but um, at the uh, expense of Tigres once again. Which um, I, I mean, we'll we'll get onto uh, Tigres, I think, and their um, lack of being able to uh, convert um, finals into uh, winners' medals. But uh, let, let's just finish off on, on Chivas uh, a little bit. I mean, Chivas obviously um, have shocked people uh, a little bit. You said it was may have been their year, but I don't know whether how many people would have thought that they would have went all the way. But um, the, they've got a fantastic coach there, don't they? Um, the, the Argentine Almeida. 
Manu, do you, do you see him um, being able to stay on? Do you think that it's going to be um, a bit of a, an ambition for him to um, to bring more titles to the club? I mean, we've seen on social media that he's actually just uh, recently got a tattoo, a Chivas uh, star tattoo on his arm. Uh, so he, he obviously has a massive connection with the club. Uh, but do you think maybe maybe some European sides will come in, throw a bit of money at him and off he'll go? I mean, unfortunately, that, that can be the way of the footballing world, can it? Yeah, um, he's Argentine, right? So, and he's played in, he's played for big teams in, in Europe. He's played for Sevilla. He's played for Lazio, for Parma, Internacional. Um, so he's, he knows his way around on a big stage. Um, I think that Mexican football right now seems to be, and this is something that we, as we go into the season, we'll discuss quite a bit is developing it a little bit into a coach talent pool. A lot of coaches, very interesting, good coaches in that league right now. Um, and the reason for that is because there's a very lot of free-flowing, attractive football being played there because that's the only way you can win, right? Um, I always joke they haven't invented defense yet there. So there has to be, they find, they're very good at finding ways to break down plays and play quick and very interesting to watch football. And that is something that teams in Europe notice. And Guadalajara didn't quite do it that way. But when you watch Guadalajara throughout the season, this ability to go in as an Argentine coach into an environment where you can only choose players from the country you're in, uh, from Mexico. And a lot of those, and this demand that these players come, a lot of these players come from their own academy. That's not easy. And doing that in front of almost 60,000 fans every weekend, on top of the, you know, for, we said 44%, so that makes roughly 80 million fans in the country. Um, that's a lot of pressure. And he mastered it. And I think clubs in Europe will notice that. And um, I think you mentioned Celta is one of the teams um, rumored to sign him. Um, I think, I hope not, but I think it's probably likely. Yeah, that, that's one of the teams I've heard him uh, linked with. Um, I mean, it's hard to know, isn't it? You'd imagine Celta Vigo would be able to throw a certain amount of money to him and uh, getting into uh, into La Liga would have a certain pool, uh, especially as he's played there before. I, I have a feeling that he'll stay on and that he will uh, continue the job there. But you know, as you said, I mean, he's played for big sides. He's played for you know, Inter Milan. He's played for, for Lazio, you know, uh, Sevilla. I mean, surely if he can keeps this up and a vacancy uh, comes up there and one of those three sides decide to take him on, it's going to be very hard for him to say no to, I think. it's, it's, it's That is where uh, Chivas will, will probably lose out, uh, which will be very upsetting. But uh, hopefully it it doesn't happen um, anytime soon and we, we get to see um, his sides perform for a, a little longer. I, I can't wait to see them maybe in the CONCACAF uh, Champions League. I, I think they'll give that a really good run. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Mexican teams dominate that competition. The CONCACAF Champions League, uh, I go or went to a lot of games last year and it's not always been won by Mexican teams, so uh, something that Major League Soccer really doesn't like to hear, mm-hmm. but it's it's true. Um, they just can't compete with with the Liga MX. It's it's a step or two above Major League Soccer at the moment, and you see that in the results. 
Um, interesting side note. I don't want to dwell on this too much because we still have a lot to cover, but, um, they're going to bring in a super league very soon where they have going to have eight, uh, MLS and eight Liga MX teams play against each other regularly. And, uh, I, I can just see Liga MX teams tearing the MLS teams apart yeah. on that one. But yeah, it's, it would be nice for him to stay. Um, but it, it's going to be interesting if he will. I guess, I guess time will tell, right? Yeah, I I think so. I I I have a feeling we'll 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 see him uh, in months to come as uh, taking uh, his his Chivas side into the Champions League, which will which will be great. Now that Super League sounds very interesting as well. It'll and it'll be interesting to see if you're right if it is as one sided as you may think. But um, just just the final thing to to dwell before we uh or to dwell on before we move on. I mean, Tigres. We we mentioned um just um how big a team they are. A team with uh, quite a few uh, superstars are, are big names there, um, and Ricardo Ferretti, um, or or Tuca, as their manager is is called, um, he's taken them to quite a few finals, hasn't he? I, I believe he's taken them to twelve finals in recent years, but they've only won five of them. Uh, Tuca has um has mentioned before that you know, but yeah, that, that this is a hell of a feat getting to to a final. This this is spectacular. Yes, it it is a, a hell of an achievement. But when you get that far, you want the goal, don't you? And um, I mean, Manu, what, what do you think is actually going wrong there? What do you think the problem is? You know, they, they seem to choke just at the last moment after after gaining so much momentum. I mean, you've seen them play the, the, the Whitecaps in the, the Champions League. And then you know, it, it just all went wrong against Pachuca, a team that weren't performing particularly well in the league. Maybe that was because they're resting and were aiming for Champions League uh, you know, victories over, over league ones, but I mean, they failed again in, in the Liga MX final as well. I mean, what, what exactly has happened there? And, and will then Geniac maybe uh, move on or will he stay? I mean, he's got one year left on his contract. There's been, sorry, there's so many questions, but, um, I, th- I feel we need to cover these. I think Geniac will stay. Uh, he makes $4.5 million there. And uh, let me tell you one thing, the tax rate in Mexico is a lot lower than in most other countries, so um, he gets to keep quite a large chunk of it. Um, it's an interesting question about Tigres, and it's something that I discussed with Naib Moran, who we will probably have on the show at some point soon. He's he's a very good commentator on the game and works for ESPN, and he, he can't really put his finger on it. And I said, well, they're kind of like the Leverkusen of um, Mexican football. Uh, that they can't get their finals done. And then there's some truth to it. It's, it's a relatively young side. It's a, a university side that's now owned by CMX. CMX is a bar, large, uh, concrete company. They run the team. They lease the team from the university that founded the team. So the university is still in one way or another involved. This is a topic that we have to get into at some point too. We have to explain the relationships between universities and clubs. And I guess the team that got promoted will be a good starting point for that. But, they, they're relatively young. So success is not historic. And I think it's just sometimes takes time. You have to develop a culture of winning and they haven't quite gotten that, that, that said, um, I got to talk to Ricardo Ferretti when he was in Vancouver. Um, we get a lot of access in North America when it comes to dressing room access and talking to coaches. And he was one of the most interesting coaches I've ever met. And one of the most knowledgeable coaches and clear thinking coaches. Um, he's Brazilian and he was, um, he understands the game. And I think he's, he's very calculating. Um, he understands that finals are finals. You know, 
we recently watched the Champions League final between Juventus and Real Madrid. Juventus have lost 9 out of 15 finals, or 10 out of 16 finals it is now, I think. Um, but they're always fantastic getting there. And I think that we forget um, the way these, these league systems are set up. If you, if you play in a league and you have the strongest team, you will win the league. But the moment you throw in playoffs and the occasions equation, only one thing needs to go wrong. And then you will lose the title. And um, I think that's what's happened to Tigers more often than not. And I think this is, I think in the end of the day, they still won a significant amount of titles. They're always thereabouts in the finals. So he has a good point. Um, but at some point he will have to win the CONCACAF Champions League because they really want to go to that Club World Cup. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's the, the progression that, that that side really needs. And I think that that's probably what he craves. Um, just when it'll happen. Well, they're actually going to have to win a final, aren't they? But maybe next year. Let, let's see what, what happens. But one team that uh, did uh, win a final and uh, they've been promoted, um, as you mentioned, was a university side. A side that had never been into the uh, the the top division in uh, Mexico, and that's uh, Lubos or or the the Wolves, as that uh, translates. So Lubos is a Buapa, is a B U A P. My you'll you'll learn that um, yeah on the Gag and Pressing uh, podcast, uh, my accent is uh, yeah it's it's a long way from uh, being uh, perfect, and you'll probably find it on this as well. But uh, all in good time. But uh, yes, uh, Lubos, uh, the Wolves have been promoted. Uh, Manu, what can you tell us uh, about uh, Lubos? I mean, they they didn't exactly win the league um, uh, either side of, of uh, Christmas, but um, they managed to have a, a very good run in the playoffs. Uh, and then, then the playoff, um, actually, we should probably explain that as well. Why do you get into the knockouts? <laughs> so much to explain. Once you get into the knockouts, just like you do with the top divisions, the top eight uh, going to the knockouts, and they win uh, run Christmas time, and then they win at the end of the uh, domestic season, uh, like we explained. Then those two teams will play each other, regardless of their league positions, and then that team will go up. Yes, yes, there's more and more to explain. Always, <laughs> and we'll be doing that over the next few weeks. But, unless, uh, yes. guys, there's an exception, unless you win both the upper tour and the clausura. So if you win the first half the first the, the the opening stage playoffs and the closing stage playoffs then there will not be an extra playoff stage yes because uh obviously there'll be no need to you've won them both um so yes right we've got that covered as well we've got a long list of things to cover i i feel but uh we've got that out of the way but yes manny what can you tell us uh about uh lobos to be honest, not much. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they haven't been in the top flight before, so it's. I I, I feel you. It's going to be a, an interesting uh, journey for them, isn't it? A lot of people are going to learn a lot about them. Um, I said before the podcast starts, they've got claw marks on their shirts. That that's kind of cool. Well, there's so, such an unknown quantity for people that have not followed the Ascenso, um, and it's as you said, they they, they finished the. The opening stage, so the aperture, I think they finished at 15th, right? Out of 18. So didn't make the playoffs. And then the Klausura, they finished 6th, so just made the playoffs and then ended up winning those playoffs. Um, crazy story. And then from there, they beat Sinaloa, the, the Dorados, which is a big club, well-funded club from 
um, an area that is not the most stable in Mexico. But I think politics in Mexico will probably have to open an entire new pot for that uh, if you want to get into this. But they beat them in that stage um, over two legs. So basically beat all the odds to to move up. Um, founded in 1967. They, the roots actually go back all the way to the 1930s as a student-only team um, known as Preparatoria. Now, there's a big bit of a tradition in Mexican football. And this is where I want to touch on this. Um, the team is actually owned by the Benemerita Universidad Autonoma de Puebla. So the team is based in Puebla. The university, the autonomous, autonomous university in Puebla owns this club. Um, this doesn't mean the players are students. They're professional. They have gone professional, but the foundation of the club is a university team. Now, there's a few examples like that. Tigers, we just mentioned them. They have their foundation as a university team. Another team, Pumas, um, based out of Mexico City. They are also, Pumas is actually the, the shortened form of the university there, uh, the largest university in Mexico. So there's a lot of them. And in some cases, the universities actually still own these clubs and, you know, uh, make profits with these teams. And this is one example. And it will be really interesting to see how they're going to adjust because um going up the way they've gone up is certainly not something that you plan um because you know when you reach the Liuela as the sixth place team you're an outsider and you're a dark horse in the playoff and then you know because the the, the Dorados won the first stage um that actually meant that it was likely that they would go up and the the, the funny thing is um, it was actually very close in the, the semi-final for the Sinaola to actually get to the final as well. So it's, it's a crazy story. And I think that, um, for me, a less up is going to put in a lot of money into, into Lobos next year. They're going to have a hard time staying up because, um, they will have to, basically get that point average that we're talking about that has to be higher than the teams that are already in the league. And that's that's going to be very tough. Yeah, it's, it's going to be very difficult for them. But I, I suppose to a degree we, we see it um, all over uh, Europe and the world with, with different leagues. Um, sides coming up that you, you don't maybe think are, are ready for it and maybe don't have the money or the funding or, or even the squad for it. But um Sometimes we get surprised, don't we? And um, let's see what happens. I, I know in Mexico it's uh, notorious uh, for it being uh, rather difficult for the sides that are promoted. But, um, yeah, good luck to them, I think. And we'll, we'll be following them closely as the season goes on. So so that brings us on to our next topic. Yes, we've got more explanations to do. And, and Manu will certainly be the man for this. So it's it's the draft day, okay? Uh, that means, obviously, players are moving from here to there. But uh, uh, Manu explained to me that um, it's a little bit different from MLS even. So, um, Manu, the, the floor is yours, I suppose. Yeah, the draft. Um, when I first time heard about the draft, I was thinking NHL, NBA, NFL, you know, team that finished last gets to pick the first, the biggest talent. Um, that's what most Europeans will think, right, when they look at the draft. Um the draft isn't quite like this. The draft basically takes place at the end of the transfer window. So the closing, the closing day. So basically like the deadline day in Europe, but it's different in a way because before the draft starts, um, 
all the owners get together in Cancun, which is fancy resort town in Mexico. And uh, those of those listeners that live in the United States, they know exactly what Cancun is. It's a party town, and uh, they get together and they make deals. And then the players basically just learn on the last day of the transfer window that they go they got moved from one way or another. Now it's not quite that easy anymore because there's FIFA rules and all that now, and players are protected. But that's essentially what the draft is: players get moved around. But it's unfair. Uh, if you want to understand what what kind of environment it is, there's a television show called The Club de Cuervos. Uh, it's on Netflix, and it follows uh, fixtures uh, Liga MX team that. Gets, I don't want to give it away too much, but there's one episode that actually features Marco Fabian, um, and it's at the draft, and it explains exactly what happens in the draft, and it's it's um, a huge get together of rich people making decisions on on a quick fire basis. So basically, what's going on right now, the draft, this is the last day that players of Mex- Mexican players get to get the move um, of this half of the season. They can still sign foreigners and. Um, one of those foreigners has a rather big ring to it, doesn't he, Bryce? Because we've recently learned that, you know, one team in particular could sign a player that we know all quite well. Yes, indeed. And, and we don't mean just a Liga MX, uh, fans would be possibly, uh, tuning in and going, oh, that's a big signing. Cause, cause there's been a few of those going on, but, um, Yes, yeah, so, so a rather big name, as you mentioned, Manu, and not just to Liga MX fans, but actually of world football, of the Liga, of Liverpool, Chelsea, Atletico Madrid, and that's Fernando Torres. He's being linked uh, with a move to Liga MX, which um, would be a, a move to probably a rival, well, I suppose Gignac, or maybe formerly a Ronaldinho, because he, he's going to go to Ronaldinho's uh, former side in in Quintaro, uh by the looks of things anyway the negotiations are going on and this just goes to show the popularity of uh, Mexican uh, football uh, Liga MX uh, and obviously there's a bit of money to go around I mean Manu do you see this happening uh, if it does um, how big a uh, how big a, a coup is it, is it for the league and, and do you think you'll be any good <laughs> it's it's um, it's a very good coup um Caritaro doesn't surprise me that that's the club that will is linked to this. You know, we all remember Ronaldinho, of course, going there. Um, they're a rich club. The ownership is the Grupo Imperial Angeles, uh, so <laughs> big company that owns hotels, healthcare companies, media, financial services. You know, they conglomerate. And they have a ton of money and they have this dream to make Carataro into a big team. Uh, in fact, they have such a dream about making the club into a big team that a few years ago, Carataro got promoted. So they ended up just buying the license of the team that went up, uh, and then moved Carataro to the team that went, that team to the second division team and, uh, moved the second division team to Carataro and just changed names and badges. Um, that's just a little anecdote about Mexican football right there for you. But yeah, they have a lot of money and they can make this happen. Carretaro is also not far from Mexico City. So you can live... Mexico City is a fabulous place. I've just actually been there um, six, seven weeks ago. It's an amazing city, an amazing place, a very good place to live. So I could see Fernando Torres moving there 
and uh, fitting in very well. It's a very multicultural, very historic city. So you know, it's for someone who is rich and wants to make a bit of money. It's a it's a, a enjoyable place. I think he. You name some of the teams that he's played for. Liverpool is an example, and when you when you think about how much reference he still gets there. Um, same with Atletico Madrid, you know, Spanish speaking, of course. I think it would be a very smart move for them. And I think he still has a lot to offer. I mean, he still has a lot to offer to Atletico Madrid now. And I think he still has a lot. He will have a lot of to offer Mexico. And this, the style of play will do him well. I, you know, Gignac has, has done quite well there. And Gignac actually returned to, to the French national team. He played at the Euros last year, right? And um, there's a bit of a tradition there too to bring in Europeans that that can play that kind of football. Um, Mauricio Gaudinho from Germany, Bernd Schuster, big German name, has played there. Osebio, the Portuguese legend, played there. And then of course Pep Guardiola had half a season there um, at Dorados. It wasn't the best of times. He got relegated, but he actually took. Um, there's a great New York Times article out there, which I encourage everyone to read. He took um, a lot of his coaching knowledge from Mexico and brought it back to Europe. So I think it's a move that would work out well for him. Yeah, that's it. I mean, a lot of people say that you know, his, his best times, you know, were probably seen a, in a Liverpool shirt. And, you know, when he went to um, the likes of Chelsea, you know, things kind of slowed down for him a little bit. Uh, yeah, I think he lost a little bit of pace. Um, I think he struggled for form a little bit, maybe a little bit of pressure. But you know, nowadays when you see him at uh, Atletico Madrid, he still, you know, he still got that a fantastic finish. And I think he's actually become a smarter player over the last few years. So um, I think he would come, and I I think he would be um, he'd be a real star there, real assets to the league, to the club, and I I think he would score a a phenomenal amount of goals I think he'd have a great time as you said you wouldn't rule out him being then called into the national side again you know, after the whole uh, Geniac um, issue with the being called into the, the front side for the for the Euros you, you never know right you know, if you can find a better form but yeah I'm excited and I really hope that this one happens especially um, remembering him from uh, Liverpool days and it will, what, what a beautiful player he, he was back then but um, yeah a few other deals um, happening as well in uh, Liga MX in the draft at the moment. I mean, they're going to be ongoing. Uh, we've kind of uh, decided to record a pod and it's it's halfway through it. Uh, I mean, you've got uh, Hurtado um, has, has just moved. That's a big move. That is a very big move. I mean, anyone who doesn't know uh, this player, I mean, he's, he's a fantastic dribbler of the ball. Absolutely fantastic. And so, yeah, he's joining Monterey, uh, Monterey as a side of a very rich side, uh, that's, um, yeah, finished second this year. I'd kind of hoped to, to go all the way. Uh, fell short to Tigris. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I remember him scoring an absolutely phenomenal, almost bicycle kick, almost kind of like scissor kick, a midair goal, um, halfway through the campaign a very very good player I mean he's, he's going to be a real asset for them I mean uh, Manu you, you obviously tried to interject there and, and just uh, sing his praises as well I mean how, how good is he? He was the reason Tijuana did as well as they did last year I, 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 big powerful Colombian striker um, Monterey has been busy and I mean, I'm almost a little shocked by this move because um, 
yeah, Tijuana is a big side and Monterey are doing so much. And I'm surprised they let him go, that they, Tijuana let him go, but uh, Monterey has a lot of money, right? Um, I think he will fit in well with Antonio Mohamed, the, the head coach at, um, Monterey. Monterey, you know, bit, bit of a disappointment that they didn't win the title because I think that was very much their goal. This will give them a big shot. Um, yeah, I'm still a little bit of disbelief that this is actually, it's just come in as we recorded it this. Um, there was another one that we maybe wanted to discuss, but this kind of dwarfs it. Uh, I'm looking at the, the, the transfers that have been made. Jorge Banitas from Cusa Sol also to Monterey. It'd be hard to look past Monterey now, wouldn't it? Uh, in terms of who's the, the big name, who's the, the, the favorite for, for, you know, the opening season. Yeah, well, well, that's it. I mean, uh, we, we spoke, um, just before we ke- came on the pod, didn't we, about, uh, Cardona, um, you know, Edwin Cardona, uh, you know, another fantastic player, uh, that was, uh, featured quite a lot for Monterey this year. I suppose his only downfall was that he would literally shoot from anywhere. I remember there was a game that, uh, didn't he shoot from the halfway line and he, he hit the crossbar and it came back off the keeper's head and then out when the keeper was tracking back. That was him. And, and he continued to do that for, you know, a good half hour. He had another few shots. So he, he would literally shoot from anywhere, but he did have a fierce, um, uh, boot on him. I mean, he, he could really hit it, but it, it was confirmed that he was to leave them and actually go on loan to, uh, Pachuca, who are obviously going to have their World Club Cup, uh, ambitions, uh, against the Real Madrid and the likes. Uh, and we were thinking, oh, wow, they've, they've really bolstered their squad, bringing him in. You know, he scored quite a few goals for Monterey this year. You know, that, that's a great move, but clearly Monterey had quite a few, uh, replacements lined up, didn't they? I mean, yeah, they're, they're going to be a hell of a force next year. I'm, I mean, if, if these transfers happen, Monterey are going to be strong. Tigres are always going to be strong. You know, I, I don't really see. And there's Carlos Vila rumor, Carlos Vila rumor to Tigres, right? Real Sociedad, yeah. former Arsenal man, still a very good player. MLS, MLS really hoped to get him, but I guess he's going back home. If that's happening, then that's a big one too. Yeah. I mean, if they had the addition, you know, him to, to the roster as well. I mean, that, that means that they're going to be a strong side. We've just seen how good, uh, Chivas are. Um, Kutaro, I mean, if they were to get Torres, I mean, it could be a really interesting season next year, couldn't it? Um, I mean, you, you, it'd be a hard one to call as ever, I suppose. I mean, speaking of, um, obviously Carlos Vela, um, has been in Europe for a long time. MLS, we would like to get him. Um, I'm sure plenty of Mexican size would as well. Um, Manu, a, a player that we talk about quite a lot, and I just feel I'm, I'm going to throw this at you is uh, Chicharito. I mean, do you see it as a possibility for him coming back to Liga MX or do you feel that like he would, um, not want to turn his back on, on Europe just yet? That's a good question. Um, I would say not yet. I, I think the only club that could land him in the future would be Chivas. He sent them a congratulation message when they won the title, right? It's, it's a hard one because I don't think Leverkusen will want to give him up on the cheap. Uh, so he's going to cost a lot of money. And I don't think that kind of money is in Mexican football. Um, I don't think Liga, uh, MLS don't have that money either. I know Los Angeles FC really want to have him, but I think that's not going to happen. Mm, of course, the season there starts out in the spring, in the early spring. So um, they could 
buy him and loan him out, I guess. But uh, I think that Chicharito is not done with Europe yet. Maybe in a year or two. Yeah, because he hasn't hasn't really had a a great season under uh, Leverkusen as we've um, we've kind of reported on the the uh, Bundesliga and the Gag and Pressing uh, podcast. Um, so I'm sure he'll be on the the move. I have a feeling he could be on the move this summer, but maybe just not coming back to Mexico quite yet. Um, yeah, I think that more or less does. I mean, today, yes, has been a lot of explaining. We we kind of apologize that, but it's things that we felt that we needed to get out of the way. So, um, I mean, uh, next time we will probably cover uh, more transfer rumors. We'll be able to uh, tie up uh, what all has happened in the drafts, who we feel has come out of it stronger. Possible moves for uh, young Mexicans as well going abroad. That's always exciting. Where could they end up? Uh, there's going to be plenty to talk about over the next few weeks, uh, especially even with the Mexican international sides. Uh, they're going to feature at the Confederation Cup, something that you're going to be at, uh, Manu. Well, are you hoping to, to maybe catch one or two of the games? Yeah, I'm actually at one of the Mexican games. I, 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 we have full accreditation on the Football Grad Network for the tournament. So um, Andrew Flynn, who you listeners will know from the Football Grad podcast, and I will be in Russia and we'll be covering a bunch of games. And I believe we will be going to at least one Mexico game. So, um, there will be next, I guess not, not, not next week, but the week after this podcast will be actually coming from my half will be coming from Russia. And, um, that's actually a good time to, to actually, you know, introduce all the pages that we have, right? Bryce, because we have the gig pressing podcast and the football grad podcast. We have this podcast where we'll, we'll starting up an MLS podcast soon as well. Or North American podcast, rather. And then we have lots of written content um, on all these leagues, Bundesliga, Liga MX, um, Russian football, national teams. It's all on footballgrad.com and then fußballstadt.com and footballstidage for the, the various sites. So we cover really everything and, you know, we go to games. Um, and this is not as fans. This is as accredited journalists. All of us, you know, have accreditation and we go to games really around the world so you know it's a it's a big network isn't it yeah that that's exactly it i mean obviously we're looking to go to as as many uh games as we possibly can and me being uh, based in the uk um it's very easy for me to get to to european games it's the same with chris williams who's on our uh, gag and present podcast as well but you've got guys based all around the world man haven't you so you know it it's, you're going to see updates all the time, uh, live from games. You're going to have previews. You're going to have podcasts about them. I mean, there's several areas that, as well, I know that you're looking to uh, branch out into as well. So it's a very exciting time at uh, Football Grads uh, Network. And, yeah, this this is an area that uh, we're definitely going to work on and getting guests in and covering it, uh, well, rather uh, thoroughly over the, the next few weeks, months, and years, I'm sure. So, um, yeah, expect um, some uh, some Confederations Cups uh, update on Mexico as well, as they've got a few uh, interesting games starting off with uh, Portugal. Uh, Manu, which game is it that you're going to see them? I have to actually look at the schedule. Uh, well, well, you've got uh, Mexico against uh, Portugal, New Zealand, Russia and Ghana. So there, there's plenty to pick from there. There's all sorts going on. But yes, I think that will more or less do it for today. We'll be back uh, very soon. And I, I hope that we can speak of Torres uh, signing for, well, any Liga MX site. I think that would be uh, fantastic, really. But um, Manu, is, is there anything else you'd like to, to plug or say before we go? 
I think that covers it. Um, I'm just excited to have this part finally going and go Lazo. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be hearing that plenty once the uh, league starts up again. But um, yeah, but I'm happy to hear you do that at any possible opportunity. To be honest, um, I've been your host, uh, Bryce Dunn, with uh, guest uh, Manu Vet, and yeah, we'll, we'll be back uh, rather soon with more updates. Uh, thank you very much for uh, tuning in, and um, yeah, uh, we'll be back with you rather soon. if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time? Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.